Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. You will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 84 of the Banter Roundtable podcast. We have for you today a UAP update, a very brief UAP update. Don't worry, we're not going to spend too much time talking about aliens. We have the big news this week, the Trump indictment for trying to steal the election. This is huge, probably the most serious indictment thus far. We have the potential for World War III. Uh, Russia is going to start a war with Poland. That would be fun. Then we have our fascist of the week. We have our ray of sunshine where we bring some very good news to you. And then in the members-only emergency meeting, we're going to be discussing whether there is going to be violence before or after the 2024 election. Uh, Justin and I have differing opinions on this. Justin, um, well, we'll talk about that a bit later on in the podcast, but it'll be an interesting little debate because I've got a theory too. So uh, UAP update, just quickly, aliens. Because I'm obsessed Justin, I'm, I thank you for uh, entertaining me. <laughs> I do appreciate. Justin's like, do we have to? Do we have to talk about the UAP hearing? So I'm just going to read you this, Justin. I want your reaction to this. This is on the Hill. Um, so a bipartisan group of lawmakers on the House Oversight Committee says a high-profile hearing on UFOs is just the start of their push for answers, and they are threatening to use their heavier-handed tactics if the Pentagon and intelligence agencies stand in their way. Representatives Anna Paulina Luna, Matt Gates, Tim Burchett, and Jared Moskowitz want more information on, unident- on unidentified anomalous phenomena, commonly referred to as UFOs, beginning with new laws a classified hearing, and the possible creation of a select committee. The lawmakers said they were willing to use subpoena power if needed to get the answers they are seeking from the federal government. So this came after David Grush, who's the former Air Force intelligence officer. He gave the you know extraordinary testimony that he was told of a multi-decade UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program, and he accused the military of misdirecting funds to keep the operation secret. So he told members of Congress, including Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Jamie Raskin, that he would be prepared to tell everything he tell them everything he knew, uh, including the whereabouts of these programs where these apparent reverse engineering programs were kept. Uh, but he would want to talk to them in a skiff, which is a which is an acronym for Sensitive Compartmented Information Facility, right? Which is again the most. Just I don't know why you Americans. Love, love, love your acronyms. I don't know, what, what is it about you and your acronyms? Why does why do Americans love acronyms so much? I don't know because they're catchy and we like long, complicated names and then making them shorter with little catchy acronyms, which aren't always catchy. Yeah, the essential LOL <laughs> compartmented information facility. I mean, good lord. So that was the big news last week that Grush had promised to give them all this information. So he said he would give it to them right after the congressional hearings as well, which I thought was interesting. He said, I'll be happy to talk to you in a skiff, right? Like as soon as we finish the, the hearing. 
I so I kind of went online and monitored Twitter for any news breaking on the subject to see whether that would happen, but it didn't happen, right? So the, according to the Hill, the group had been blocked, however, by officials that have informed them that Crush doesn't currently have security clearance to discuss the issues in a skiff. Dun 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 dun. So, so look, I'm not one to say there's a conspiracy, but this sounds rather conspiratorial. Right, these are members of Congress that are asking a whistleblower to give them classified information. Members of Congress have the some of the highest clearances you can get. In fact, there should be nothing out of bounds to Congress, like from what members of Congress are able to get their hands on. So I don't. It's strange that they're being blocked, um, and they're pretty pissed off about this. Tim Bush is very pissed off about this. He said he. He, a quote, I think we'll get them eventually. It's just frustrating. I'm ready to go. The American public are ready to go. Uh, uh, Luna also argued that the skiff with Grush would help lawmakers better understand the type of legislation they need to write regarding UAPs. She said she supports legislation that would declassify information on the phenomena. So it's good that there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of, there seems like a kind of a will to get the Pentagon to declassify this stuff and let the public see what's going on. So whatever this is, Right, we are, we we should we do have a right to know. This is taxpayers' money that's going into the Pentagon. Doesn't operate; it should not operate outside of the rule of law, outside of um, our, de our democratic control. So this guy's making an extraordinary allegation. He's saying that he'll give them all the information they need, and he's being denied. That's being denied. So I don't really get why that's happening. Uh, Justin, I'll, I'll give you some skeptic. Personally, uh, I, 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 I just want them to spend as much time as possible on this because it's less time that they can spend investigating Hunter Biden. That would be a classic psyop, Justin. This is you. Uh, you're a member of the deep state. You want to cover up. Clearly, okay. I'm yes. paid personally by George Soros in to order to keep the, in order to keep the public distracted. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's the update. I don't know what to make of it. I'm gonna. I'm paying attention to this because, again, I hear from credible journalists, credible sources that what Grush is saying has been said by many in the intelligence community for many years. That he's not crazy. That these craft retrieval programs do exist, and the U.S. government is hiding something. So I want to see it. I'm not a believer until I see it, but I'm very interested. So anyway, there you go. There's your for all our alien. Uh, Alien addicts out there, all, all dun, three dun, of you. Dun. <laughs> all three of you. I've had some interesting comments from banter readers, banter members. Some of them are interested. It's weird. You never know who's going to be an alien person. Anyway, let's move on to the big news. Uh, the very big news that Trump was indicted again for the third time this year for trying to steal the election. This was the big one. This was the. This really was the big one. This is the most serious indictment that he's faced thus far. And I wanted to <laughs> read, read from the actual indictment. Uh, so this is from the indictment itself, uh, from the New York Times. This is in the introduction. Okay, point two. Despite having lost, the defendant, which Donald Trump, was determined to remain in power. So for more than two months following Election Day on November 3rd, 2020, the defendant spread lies that there had been an outcome determinative fraud in the election and that he had actually won. These claims were false and the defendant knew that they were false. 
but the defendant repeatedly and widely disseminated them anyway to make his knowingly false claims appear legitimate, create an intense national atmosphere of mistrust and anger and erode public faith in the administration of the election. Point number three, the defendant had a right, like every American, to speak publicly about the election and even to claim falsely that there had been an outcome determinative fraud during the election that he had won. He was also entitled to formally challenge the results of the election through lawful and appropriate means, such as by seeking recounts or audits of the popular vote in states or filing lawsuits challenging ballots and procedures. Indeed, in many cases, the defendant did pursue these methods of contesting the election results. His efforts to change the outcome in any state through recounts, audits or legal challenges were uniformly unsuccessful. Point number four, and here we're getting to the juicy parts. Shortly after election day, the defendant also pursued unlawful means of discontinuing legitimate votes and subverting the election result. In doing so, the defendant perpetrated three criminal conspiracies. A, a conspiracy to defraud the United States by using dishonesty, fraud and deceit to impair, obstruct and defeat the lawful federal government function by which the results of the presidential election are collected, counted and certified by the federal government in violation of 18 U.S.C., uh, 371. B, a conspiracy to corruptly obstruct and impede the January 6th congressional proceedings at which the collected results of the presidential election are counted and certified, in brackets, the certification proceeding, in brackets, in violation of 18 USC. I don't know what this is. These are codes, right? Um, yeah. Uh, so C, a conspiracy against the right to vote and to have one's vote counted in violation of 18 USC 241. And then it goes on and says each of these conspiracies, which built on the widespread mistrust the defendant was creating through pervasive and destabilizing lies about election fraud, targeted a bedrock function of the United States federal government, the nation's process of collecting, counting and certifying the results of the presidential election. Now, the fun thing is that that last one, Title 18, Section 241, um, yes. that is used, that was used uh, specifically originally, it was a uh, it was it was created. It was passed specifically at the time um, to deal with the Ku Klux Klan, mm. who was running around the South, keeping black people, uh, newly freed slaves, uh, from voting. So under the Thirteenth, Fourteenth, and Fifteenth Amendments, and uh, the you know the Southern the the you know neo well they weren't neo Confederates at the time they were just ex Confederates were really really mad about that and they were doing all sorts of terrible things in the South to keep black people from voting. They were killing them, lynchings and terrorism, etc. And they passed that particular bit of law to stop it. It was like, it's now illegal. I mean, it's it's kind of illegal already to stop people voting, but they made it, they codified it, saying you cannot do these things. You can't deprive people of their rights, of uh, their right to vote. You know, so if you enter in a conspiracy, like, say, gather a bunch of your friends together, put on white robes and pointy hoods and go out to stop black people from voting, that's a conspiracy. And now uh, while Trump was not wearing a white robe and a pointy white hood, although he might as well have been, it, this was essentially the same thing. He was conspiring with other people to strip people of their rights to, of the, to, to see the results of their, um, of their voting. You know, they'd already voted and he was trying to take that vote away from them by overturning the result of the election. So, yeah, he's pretty much getting nailed on the KKK law, which is so 
it's mwah, it's chef's kiss because poetic, it's absolutely poetic, perfect. Poetic, poetic it's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the diamond is, extra is extraordinary. I mean, it really is extraordinary. It's so tightly crafted. It's so well worded and tightly sort of put together. It's, it's ironclad. I mean, I cannot see how he doesn't how he gets away with this one. Yeah, and it's this is where we remind people that um, like uh, the the feds they don't bring charges against people unless they know they can win. Like they don't yeah. do this because it's like, oh, we're just going to see like states do that. Cities do that. The feds do not do that. If they don't think they can win a case and I not, not think if they don't know they can win a case, they don't bring that case. They will say, yeah, we don't have enough to make this ironclad. So we're not going to pursue it. Sorry. Yeah. That's just how it is. Right. And what, okay, here's an important part of the indictment as well. This is section 11, the defendant's knowledge of the falsity of his election fraud claims. So this is section 11. It says the defendant, his co-conspirators and their agents made knowingly false claims that there had been outcome determinative fraud in the 2020 presidential election. These prolific lies about the election fraud including dozens of specific claims that had been that there had been substantial fraud in certain states such as that large numbers of dead, non-resident, non-citizen or otherwise ineligible voters had cast ballots, or that voting machines had changed votes for, for the defendant to vote for Biden. These claims were false and the defendant knew that they were false. In fact, the defendant was notified repeatedly that his claims were untrue, often by the people on whom he relied on for candid advice on important matters and who were best positioned to know the facts, and he deliberately disregarded the truth. For instance, A, the defendant's vice president, who personally stood to gain by remaining in office as a part of the defendant's ticket, and whom the defendant asked to study fraud allegations, told the defendant that he had seen no evidence of outcome determinative fraud. B, the senior leaders of the Justice Department, appointed by the defendant and responsible for investigating credible allegations of election crimes, told the defendant on multiple occasions that various allegations of fraud were unsupported. C, the Director of National Intelligence, the defendant's principal advisor on intelligence matters related to national security, disabused the defendant of the notion that the intelligence community's findings regarding foreign interference would change the outcome of the election. And it goes on. Uh, senior White House attorneys, the Department of Homeland Security, uh, senior staffers on the defendant's 2020 re-election campaign told him. We've got state legislators and officials, many of whom are the defendant's political allies who had voted for him and wanted him to be re-elected, repeatedly informed the defendant that his claims of fraud in their states were unsubstantiated or false and resisted his pressure to act based upon them. Right. Uh, also, yeah, the state and federal courts also rejected every outcome determinative post-election lawsuit filed by the defendant, his co-conspirators and allies, providing the defendant with real-time notice that his allegations were meritless. So this is, to me, this is the crux of the case, that, like, he knew it was bullshit. He knew it was wrong and, and that he'd lost, but he did it anyway. Right. Now, and that is the most important part. And the reason it's the most important part. Now, the right and the right and the alt left, and I swear to God, the fact that the alt left is doing this too makes me want to vomit. They've been jumping up and down that they're trying to they're trying to criminalize free speech, like oh they're trying to indict Trump for going out there and saying that the the election was rigged or the election was stolen. That's not what they're doing, and that is not what this indictment is saying. The reason they're making it so clear that he knew that the election was not stolen, that he lied about it, 
is that he used those lies and, and you know he used those lies in order to do all of the other stuff that was illegal like everything else that he did later was predicated on those lies because he knew they were untrue like the things he did if he legitimately did think that he had won that the election had been stolen somehow the stuff that he did would not necessarily have been legal or wouldn't have been legal but he wouldn't have been doing it from corrupt intent right and that's the difference if he's doing it because he thinks yo they stole this election we have to stop this that's not a corrupt intent but he knew for a fact that he was lying about it which Mm. means there is corrupt intent. So criminal they're trying. Intent, yeah. What's criminal. that? I think it's criminal intent, right? Criminal or corrupt. Either way, they he knew it was he knew it was all bullshit, and he was lying about it while he was trying to do the other things that were illegal. You know, it's like if 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 you're trying to help a kid that you think is being molested, mm. you'll probably get in trouble but not in as much trouble as you know that kid's not being molested and you're just trying to kidnap that kid, right? Mm. There's a difference there. Mm. And that's kind of, I mean, that's what Trump is, that's what Trump did. He lied about it. Everyone knows he lied about it. And now there's proof that he lied. I mean, there was always proof, but they laid it, they're laying it out. And that's what he's being charged with. Not that he lied about it, is that he did this stuff based on those lies. Right. And they're and- just proving that it's like here's all our proof that he was lying and that he'd use those lies to do these illegal things well his judd legume has an interesting take on this as well i'm going to read this there's a bit of from his twitter thread he said uh washington post axios cnn and the new york times are all reporting that to convict trump jack smith has to prove trump knew he was lying about the 2020 election trump's lawyer is saying the same thing and so is fox the problem with this analysis is that it's completely wrong a successful prosecution does not hinge on what Trump believed about the 2020 election. If Trump is convicted, it will be based on his actions. Trump had a right to lie about the 2020 election, whether or not he believed his own lies. The problem is Trump, working in concert with his co-conspirators, pursued unlawful means of discontinuing legitimate votes and subverting the election results. The indictment details how Trump conspired to create fake sets of electors in seven states, and then it sent these slates of electors to the Senate and the U.S. um, archivist in an attempt to cling to power. If proven, that's illegal, regardless of what Trump believed. So that's, I think, an interesting take that regardless of whether there's you can prove criminal intent, it doesn't really matter because he broke the law. Uh, absolutely, but then, but what 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 he's also what Jack Smith is also doing is he's taking away that bit of his defense of, well, he didn't know any better or he thought he was doing the right thing because that will be used to try and muddy the water. And all you need is one jurist, one jurist to be like, well, he thought he was doing the right thing. It's like, no, he absolutely knew he was not doing the right thing. And that he has to make that clear. That's why he's making such a big deal about, he knew he was lying because that would be one of their defenses well, he thought he he thought he was being heroic and patriotic and defending the constitution because that's what he's been saying this entire time. And mm. you just need one jurist to believe those lies. So you have to make sure they can't use that defense and mm. you have to like destroy that, like not just destroy it, like absolutely annihilate it. But so there's all sorts of no things leave. 
yeah, there's all sorts of crazy stuff in there, like telling Mike Pence that you know you're too honest. Did you see that one? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that's what I that's why this is so good because it's not just a little bit. It's like we kind of have that. It's like no, we've got it. I mean, it's like it's a mountain of things, which makes it even more fucking annoying that the alt left is pretending like it's not there, just like they pretend everything that Trump does is not illegal. But whatever, don't even get me started. Um, Let's just quickly talk about the prison time, right? This is these are the charges and the penalty, the potential penalties: conspiracy to defraud the United States. This punishable up to five years in prison. Conspiracy against rights. This charge is punishable up to ten years in prison. Um, if Trump is convicted, this is basically conspiracy against rights is him trying to rig the outcome of the 2020 election. It's a civil rights issue. Uh, corrupt obstruction of an official proceeding, conviction under this charge, punishable up to 20 years in prison. Another, and then he's got another charge uh, of conspiracy to obstruct uh, an official proceeding, which is related to the other one. It also carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. <laughs> so, I, look, I highly doubt that they'll get him to serve them uh, consecutively, right? One after the other. I doubt any judge is going to do that, given the political climate. But my guess is he's going to get prison time. Uh, he'll get, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but I would imagine anywhere from five to ten years uh, concurrent, right? So you get them at the same time. That would yeah. be my based on this. Yeah, and we right. discussed this before the show. This is not going to be we're going to slap an ankle bracelet on you and put you in your nice uh, mansion for five to ten years. It's like I, he, there's no way they're going to give him home confinement for that long. He has, yeah, and he's in, he has to go to jail. This is going to be in Washington, D.C. So the jurors that he's going to get in Washington, D.C., uh, this is not Trump country, right? This is He's not in a friendly state, let's put it that way. And the judge as well was an Obama appointee uh, who has been, she's thrown the book at a lot of uh, uh, January 6th rioters. So, yeah, I forget what her name is. They've been freaking out about her. Um, That is Judge Tanya Tanya Chutkin. uh, Yes, there you go. That's it. Yeah, I'm assuming I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Apologies if I'm not. Um, according to the Washington Post, a year and a half ago, became one of the first federal judges in D.C. to reject the former president's efforts to use executive privilege to withhold White House communications from January 6th investigators. And uh, yeah, was, did it, did he, Trump didn't want them investigating anything he did, and that didn't work out for him. And she's one of the reasons why he didn't. They're, they're already starting to freak out. Like Lindsey Graham already went out there and said she's an old, she's a Trump hater and she she can't be the judge for this blah 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 and it's like it's weird how they were okay with Eileen Cannon, who mm. you know I mean she's already been kissing Trump's ass but they're like this can't be this is not allowed and the fact that she's a black woman she's gonna get more racism racism and death threats than anything we've seen since Obama so that's gonna be something to watch. <laughs> Yeah, one hopes she doesn't succumb to the pressure, to the intense pressure. I wouldn't, I don't envy her job. I no, and the, Trump is already freaking out about the venue, right? He doesn't want it in DC. He wants it in freaking West Virginia, where they'll throw him a parade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You want me to read that uh, tweet? Please go ahead. Okay. So this was on his Stupid Truth Social website, which apparently is going bankrupt and dragging him with it, which is delightful. But um, <laughs> the latest 
quote unquote case brought by crooked Joe Biden and deranged Jack Smith will hopefully be moved to an impartial venue, such as the politically unbiased <laughs> nearby state of West Virginia. Politically unbiased. Okay, sure. Impossible, all caps, to get a fair trial in Washington, D.C., which is over 95% anti-Trump and for which I have called for a federal, all caps, takeover in order to bring our capital back to greatness. It is now a high crime embarrassment to our nation and indeed the world. This indictment is all about election interference. He really is trying very, very hard to get people to riot in his on his behalf to keep this from happening. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's definitely something we're going to talk about in well, the emergency grounds, meeting. What grounds does he have to go to West Virginia? Uh, because it's extremely white and would never and like you'd have to like search high and low to get enough jurors that would not con- that would convict him. Right, because, I get that. But what, what is what is his legal argument? Um, he's it's Trump, important. and he shouldn't go to jail because he's Trump. Right. I mean, it's I mean that's his legal argument. That's oh, that's all it is. It's like you can't send me to jail. I'm Trump. Yeah. That's, there's literally nothing else. So I want to just quickly, we're going to listen to uh, Trump's lawyer. This was her reaction to the. This is her reaction to the environment in DC Good today. God. Ready? Yep. All right, Justin. I also want you to contain yourself and try not to scream while I'm playing this audio. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> On March 17th, Hunter accidentally admits that it was his laptop from hell. The next day. DA Alvin Bragg indicts President Trump. June 8th, an FBI document is released showing that the Ukrainians paid the Biden crime family millions and millions of dollars. The next day, the Mar-a-Lago raid and the Mar-a-Lago indictment. So that was Trump lawyer Alina Haber outside the courtroom in D.C. Hunter, Hunter, Hunter. That's, have, that's all it is. That's right. What's Hunter Biden got to do with any of this? It's amazing. This, this massive PR campaign to drag Hunter Biden into absolutely everything. And that no one really cares about Hunter Biden other than the MAGA nutjobs. Um, also, regard, irrespective of that, it will have no bearing on the trial whatsoever. Nope. So, but it is interesting. going to try. Yeah. Right, right, right. They they clearly go in the PR route. That's what they seem to believe with the best cause of action is is to try and whip up as much uh, pro Trump fervor as they can. I mean, uh, Hunter Biden's the new Hillary Clinton. Like it used to be Hillary. All you had to do was say her name, and all they saw was bright red. Their brain stopped working. They started foaming at the mouth, and that's all Hunter Biden is now. It's like Trump's in trouble. Say Hunter Biden's name. Just it doesn't matter what it is. Just say his name. And they'll just start be angry and they won't think anymore. And that's all it is. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, High-ranking high members of the Republican Party are, I think, fairly desperate to move off of Hunter Biden because they know that it, this is a, a political black hole. It will go nowhere. It will go absolutely nowhere over the next... They will beat this thing to death. But it, it will not never quite gain traction because it's not... There's nothing there. Well, and personally, I want them to keep beating that dead horse because the more they beat it, the more the more terrible it makes them look. Yeah, no, of course. If you were going to write, if you were going to write a, a strategy for the Republican Party to lose the election, this is what you tell them: to just keep talking about Hunter Biden, just keep going, beat that horse to death. That's I mean, how you would. That's how you would write a like a. It's like almost like Twitter. 
Elon Musk's Twitter strategy. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there was a God. What was it? Uh, da, 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 Representative Donald. Um, I don't know where the hell he's from. Went on Newsbacks and was bitching about the fact that Joe Biden takes his son's uh, Hunter's phone call whenever. Like, oh my God, I can't believe he does that. He literally said, "My two older sons have cell phones. If I'm in a meeting and they call me, sometimes I can't call them back for four to six hours." Joe Biden is at the ready, waiting for Hunter's call to. Say, how's the weather? This stinks to high heaven. It's public corruption. It's like, really? The the man answers his phone when his son calls him, and that's corruption? His recovering addict son, who, if he calls and needs his father, he's going to pick up that phone. So he's a bad person for making sure he's available for his son whenever he calls. Yes, Keep beating that dead horse because it's making you look great, Republicans. Do it. Keep doing it. it I love really, it. I think it's awesome. They make themselves look absolutely awful. It really is. I mean, look, the this whole thing, I wrote a piece this week about the nightmare scenario. What would happen if Trump gets convicted and gets sentenced to prison during the election or when he's, God forbid, president? Right? So my thesis is that these two outcomes are almost unthinkable. These are two scenarios that would be, this would be the end of democracy in America. Oh, no, it's completely incompatible with the concept of democracy in this country. Right, right. If he gets convicted and he goes to prison and he wins the election from prison, he will pardon himself and he will leave prison. That, that is without a doubt that will happen. If he gets into office and he gets found guilty and sentenced, he's not going to leave. So I think the country does need to kind of prepare itself for this, these potential scenarios. I mean, my guess is the most likely outcome is that Joe Biden is going to win and Trump will be convicted and sent to prison and that will be the end of it. We won't, we won't hear from this guy again because he'll probably die in prison. Uh, that would be... So I very think, sad. Yes, that, that seems to me the most likely outcome. But you never want to count Trump out. I never, ever want to count Trump Trump out. Well, honestly, I think he's going to flee the country. I, I, my, my personal feeling is that if he loses a case, he will flee because he's got the money. He will flee the country and he will declare himself president in exile until he dies. Because he, he, he's that spiteful that he would want to cause that kind of disruption. We've never yeah. had that before, but I could see him doing it. He will go to Russia, yep. and they will just use him as he's a leader in exile. Right. And blah, blah. He's the rightful president. Blah, 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 blah. Right. I can right. absolutely see him doing that. And I keep looking at the – when you look at the charges and all the, th- the, the three indictments thus far, and then – we, we've got the upcoming one in the, the Georgia indictment coming up, which is uh, itself, you know, very, very serious. The chances of them not getting found guilty on the diminishing rapidly. Yeah, how many charges is it now? I mean, there's 40 in the uh, classified documents. He's been charged with 40 counts, right? I think so far. Thus far. There may be more coming. God knows. Four, four counts for uh, with this one. So far. So far, I mean, how many are there altogether? Like, what are the chances that he's going to beat every single one of them and then get out of a prison sentence for every single one of them? It, it seems to me impossible. But 
this is Donald Trump we're talking about. The guy has a Faustian pact. He's made a deal with the devil. I don't understand how he does these things. I don't know how he's how he's still here. He's still relevant after trying to overthrow the country in, on, in 2020, 2020, sorry, 2021, rather. Uh, but he, he's got at least nine lives. Right. Well, the same can't be said for other Republicans. Yeah, the other Republicans are failing spectacularly. This is not like they're not doing. I'm amazed at how badly the other Republicans are doing. Trump is I'm absolutely delighted. <laughs> I think the best case scenario for Biden is a Trump candidacy. There's nothing like Trump to whip up the base for the Democrats. You know, no, like, it really isn't. <laughs> I yeah, mean, there's nothing like Trump to whip up Republicans at this point, but. I don't know, man. Like, 75 million people voted for him. 10 million of those people are dead from uh, the last... Well, I'm sorry. Not quite 10 million people, but there's a lot less people from the last election as they get older and die. And there's got to be a bunch of them that are going to be like, yeah, I don't know if I want to vote for, you know, a guy who looks like he's going to jail. (laughs) You know, martyr or not. It's like, he's going to be a convicted felon. Not sure I want yeah. to vote for that guy. It's not a good look. And there are enough Republicans in America who they, they're they not crazy. right? You may not agree with them politically, and you may think they're assholes, but they're not insane. So, and it doesn't have to be a lot. It only has to be enough, 2 yeah. or 3%. And that's a lot of people. But listen, we've got to take it seriously. There was a, re- news, a story this week that Obama has paid Biden a visit and said he's worried about how strong Trump is this early on. Uh, Obama's pretty, he's pretty intuitive about these things. So I think that, you know, Democrats need to pay attention. I mean, Bob wrote a great piece today as well about that, that, you know, the prospect of losing to Trump, obviously, it's probably not going to happen, but can't allow it to happen. You just cannot allow this to happen. This, this, if this guy wins, you can, and democracy is it's finished. It's it's over. Like there's a 245 year experiment, uh, and it's done. Like you can forget it. So, anyway, speaking of more good news, we have uh, Russia trying to uh, trying to stop World War Three. Are they going to war in Poland? Yeah, that's um, a bit of a bonkers nut story. Yes, please inform me of this one. I I've uh, tried to stay away from the Russia war this week because because it's so depressing. All right, so this is from. So after after um, the Wagner mercenary group had their little temper tantrum and kind of sort of but not exactly uh, tried to stage a uh, coup in the little mini civil war, um, they pulled back and they went over to uh, Belarus um, with uh, Lukashenko, the president Lukashenko, who is the one who brokered the peace treaty um, between Wagner and Putin. Um, I'm, I forget the guy's name that runs Wagner. Oh, no, no, no. Prigozhin. Prigozhin. Yeah. So Wagner's been hanging out over there. So now this is from Reuters. Last week, Putin accused Poland of harboring territorial ambitions on Belarus and said it would consider any attack on its neighbor as an attack on itself. Now, this is the same bullshit that Russia did before they invaded Ukraine, right? All of a sudden, Ukraine was, you know, they're getting ready to invade Russia. And, you know, Russia was the victim and Ukraine was, you know, the, the getting ready to declare war and blah, blah, blah. And everyone was like, 
What are you talking about? Ukraine's not doing jack shit. And then Russia attacked Ukraine and pretended that they were defending themselves, right? Everyone knew it was bullshit except for a bunch of Republicans and every single person on the alt-left. They all, like, just had no idea this was going to happen. And, oh, my God, I can't believe Russia's being victimized by Ukraine. So, you know, but now they're doing the same exact thing, but with Belarus and Poland. Um, early on Tuesday, Lukashenko, the president of uh, Belarus, mockingly, and a close ally of Putin, mockingly told Poland it should thank him for keeping in check Wagner mercenaries now stationed in Belarus after an abortive mutiny against the Kremlin last month. An unspecified number of Wagner fighters have moved to Belarus and began training Lukashenko's army. Uh, Poland has already started moving more than a thousand of its own troops closer to the border. Um, blah, blah, blah. State news agency Belta quoted him on Tuesday saying that the Poles should pray that we're holding on to the Wagner fighters and providing for them. Otherwise, without us, they would have seeped in and smashed up Vrzhau. I'm almost certainly pronouncing that poorly and Warsaw in no, in no small way. They shouldn't reproach me. They should say thank you. Uh, Rzhau is a city that's really close to the border um, between Poland and uh, Belarus. So, and then there was um, a, a helicopter that a, a warship that just accidentally drifted over the border and did a flyover of one of their small towns and blah, blah, blah. And they're being very provocative, and this is like an escalating thing. And someone was tweeting about this a few days before it happened. as like, they're going to start doing shit like this. And then they did. So this, this seems to be a pattern that Russia uses when they're getting ready to start invading somebody. Um, but now they're going to have Belarus and Wagner do it. The insane thing here is if Wagner attacks Poland, Poland is a NATO country, which means... We, not we personally, not just the United States, but NATO would have to respond. That's Article 5 of NATO. Anyone, and not just a country, anyone that attacks a NATO ally, every NATO ally is considered activated. Like, we all have to respond. And we would, like, Wagner is not that large. Like, they're the most experienced troop that Russia has, but technically, according to Putin, they're not Russian troops, which means we can go in there and stomp them into the mud, and Russia can't say a goddamn thing about it without admitting they're Russian troops, which they will not do. So uh, this would be suicide for Wagner to show up in, in Poland and start attacking. They would be slaughtered. Like, they might get in, they might get in there and do some damage, but, like... As second, the second NATO troops showed up, they would slaughter the Wagner group. Like, they can't handle the Ukrainians who were trained by NATO. They certainly will not be able to handle NATO troops. And especially if American troops show up, we would yeah. eat them alive. Yeah, so this seems to me like some saber-rattling, coordinated saber-rattling from Putin and Lukashenko. This, I think that they're testing the waters to see what the response might be. I think that it's probably you sh we shouldn't take any of it too seriously because you know, the US government has already notified Putin about what will happen if he touches NATO. I mean, Joe Biden said it. If he said, if you, t if you, a hair on NATO's head and that's it, like we're going to war. So uh, Putin hey, this is, is a war that Russia already knows. 
they cannot win, right? If they, they can't handle win. Ukraine, they yeah. definitely cannot handle any of the NATO allies, much yes. less one of the real armed ones. Yeah, so it seems like some saber rattling. I mean, this is what Putin does. He tries to push and push and push to see what the pushback will be. Um, as long as he is convinced that there will be a coordinated response from NATO, a swift and severe response from NATO, he's not going to do anything. I mean, honestly, we should just send 4,000 NATO troops to Poland and just have them sit there, like 50 miles from the border, and be like, okay, what? Yeah, what I mean... You, that... Your move, Wagner, please, show up again, see what happens. I would I would imagine that that would be the next step if they if there's any more. If there's any more bullshit, you're going to start seeing a, a, a troop build up in, in Poland. You, you kind of have to. You have to respond to Putin in kind. Everything that he does, you have to match. You have you you can't escalate, but you can't back down from Putin either, because it's the only language that he understands is strength. He only understands the language of power. So and I swear to God, when the people, when the the, the pro Republican, um, pro Russia Republicans, and the alt left start screaming about how we're provoking Russia, every single one of them can just suck my balls because they're full of shit and they know. They know they're lying about it. Right. They know it. Right. So, you know, I'm, I know I'm going to be cursing about this in the yeah. near future. I know it because I can already see it coming a mile away. It's like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe we're provoking Russia even more. And it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> mm. I, th- I mean, look, I think that this is nothing really to worry about right now. I know it's a scary situation in Russia right now, Russia and Ukraine, but the it doesn't look to me that you know Russia is not having anywhere near as much success as it as it thought it would have against Ukraine. I mean, it's losing the war against Ukraine. Uh, Slowly the only but surely, yeah. The only thing that the West has to do is make sure that Donald Trump doesn't get into power next year, because then the aid to Ukraine dries up, and then that could mean Ukraine loses the war. But right now, it's contained within you know it's Ukraine Russia. A conflict. I don't think it's going to spread anywhere else. I think that the Russians will back down. That's my sense of it. So let's hope. <laughs> Fingers crossed. But uh, look, we're going to move on. We have our next subject, which is, is our fascist of the week. Uh, so we have uh, Ron DeSantis. Justin, this was your pick. Yes. Um, so Ron DeSantis is um, he's just having a normal one. Uh, this is from actually what is this from? New Hampshire? Yeah, well, he's he's running around New Hampshire. Um, oh, this is from CBS News, actually. So, let's see. Throughout his cha- uh, his trip in New Hampshire, uh, he, Ron DeSantis, appeared bent on demonstrating that no candidate talks tougher. He promised that under his pre- presidency, Mexican drug cartels would be, quote, unquote, shot stone cold dead um, and vowed that when it comes to federal bureaucrats, quote, we are going to start slitting throats on day one. Now, is he talking metaphorically? Probably. But God only knows with this guy. Because his whole thing is government is bad as long as he's the one and not in control of it. And once he's in control of it, he's going to get rid of everyone who does not bend the knee. That's his function, is to go into government and destroy it until it is completely subordinate to him. Not Republicans, him personally. 
that's what he did in Florida. Like he just turned the government into an instrument of his personal will. And he wants to do that with the federal government. And he has not been shy about that. None of them have, which is a really dangerous and extremely fascist way of looking at the government. The government is an extension of the dear leader. And you can't have that. I mean, this is what the whole Project 2025 thing is about, is turning the government into an instrument of the will of the dear leader. You get rid of everyone who does not swear fealty, and then you have a federal, like the federal, the United States federal government is one of the largest bureaucracies in the world. And imagine having that completely at your beck and call to smite thy enemies. It's insane, but that's what they're trying to do, and they will use it that way. Like they've already promised that they will abuse the utter power, the absolute power of the federal government in every way possible. It doesn't matter if it's illegal because the Supreme Court will sign off on it. So this is like straight up fascism they're talking about. And he's Ron DeSantis is particularly dangerous because while he's got no charisma, no personality, he's very, very effective. He's very good at bending government this way. So while he's terrible at campaigning, if he were to get into power, he's very good at manipulating the system to bend it to his will which makes him a particularly dangerous person for 2028. Um, if the money, the powers that be, the money on the right, decide that he has to be the person they need in the White House and they manage to put him in place, he will do what they want. He will break the system the way they want it broken. He's not like Trump. He actually knows what to do and how to do it. So, the only saving grace is that he, is, he has such little charisma. Yeah, basically, he's got the charisma of a dead fish. So it would take a whole lot of effort to convince people that he's the person to save America. Yeah, yeah. it's still, I mean, it's scary shit. It it really is. It really is. And you know the media's ability to create a two-way horse race out of anything. Right. Like, you, you could have Obama run against him, and they'd be like, well, Obama... I don't know. He's super charismatic. He's really smart. He's a great guy. But, you know, that Ron DeSantis, there's just something about him. Yes, there is something about him. Something creepy and weird and off-putting. But, you know, go ahead. Go ahead with that horse race because they have to have it. Right. Yeah, well, right. Well, look, moving on to a more positive note, what we have our ray of sunshine this week, which is uh, a story coming from the Amazon rainforest, right? Which Some place I... we're not used to having sunshine from or happiness. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's been, been a while. It's, it's uh, been in a terrible state under Joe Bolsonaro, who presided over record deforestation. And, uh, uh, you know, essentially the Amazon rainforest is the Earth's lungs. So it's a huge carbon sink. So he was uh, busy deregulating it, allowing foresters and all sorts of uh, businesses to go in, cattle ranches to go and destroy it uh, for for short-term profit. But we have a new uh, president in Brazil, Nacio de Silva. Uh, We have Luis Inacio de Silva, brother. And uh, he is now, this is from The Guardian, said that the deforestation in the Brazilian Amazon rainforest fell by at least 60% in July compared to the same month last year, the environment minister Marina Silva has told The Guardian. 
The good news comes ahead of a regional summit that aims to prevent South America's largest buying from hitting a calamitous tipping point. The exact figure, which is based on the deter satellite alert system, will be released in the coming days, but independent analysis described the preliminary data as incredible and said the improvement compared with the same month last year could be the best since 2005. The rapid progress highlights the importance of political change. A year ago, under the far right, then President Jair Bolsonaro, the Amazon was suffering one of the worst cutting and burning seasons in recent history. But since the new administration led by Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva took power at the start of the year, the government has penalised land grabbers, mounted paramilitary operations to drive out illegal miners, demarcated more indigenous land and created more conservation areas. Damn. So They got really hardcore about it. Yeah, this is no, they did like the silver is serious about the Amazon rainforest and serious about working with other Latin American countries to protect it. You know, this is a hugely positive. I mean, also, like, I've spent a fair amount of time in the Amazon rainforest, and the Amazon rainforest, you, you have to kind of go there to believe that it's, it's a truly extraordinary place. The amount of life is just breathtaking. I mean, the whole thing is alive. Like you go down there and you, you're quickly immersed in a kind of, uh, I don't even know what you would call it, but it's its not—it's unlike anywhere else on earth that I've ever been. Well, I'm sure it's got swarms of mosquitoes, so no thanks. It, it, it no. really does. <laughs> like in every, like, I think in every square kilometer, there's something like 100,000 species of plants, something like that. I mean, oh, I it, can believe that. Yeah, so the medicinal knowledge, the, there are all these potential medicines that we haven't yet discovered in the amazon that have been burnt down and also this is again this is a giant carbon sink right as anybody familiar with biology 101 that plants breathe in carbon dioxide so we need them to breathe in all the carbon dioxide we're pumping out into the atmosphere if we burn it down it, it all it does is cook the planet so we need more trees so the amazon rainforest is massively important uh so this is great news really good news well, hopefully they keep it up. Yep. I, I, as long as you keep a fascist out of power, that's what's going to happen. Very Yay. simple. Yeah, the Brazilians, Brazilians did the right thing, so that's great. So, okay, we're going to head now into the emergency meeting. I'm not playing the, the alarm sound, Justin, just to spare your ears. So, but Thank you kindly, meeting, sir. Yeah, this is a, we're going to go into the emergency meeting. We're going to be discussing whether there's going to be violence before or after the 2024 election. We, we disagree on this, and we're going to talk about that in the emergency meeting podcast. I think this is serious because the 2024 election is going to be the most important election of our lifetimes again. <laughs> uh, and it'd be interesting to see how far the Trump administration, or the sorry, not the Trump administration, the MAGA nuts are going to take this. So we'll head into the emergency meeting podcast. You can come and listen to the show there. Get 50% off a Bantam membership gives you access to the emergency meeting podcast. It also supports everything we do at the Bantam. It gives you access to all of our members-only articles and exclusive member chat threads. Uh, the Bantam is entirely funded by you, and we greatly appreciate your support. And uh, we'll see you next week. Adios.